Does your mom know you work here? No. Oh. Nice. Please report to the Administrative Office International. Duncan, please report to the Administrative Office International. I have to announce this over the PA. As my voice won't carry that far, my throat suffered major damages during an intense makeout session with Lewis's mom. She has a forked tongue and a touch of the herpes. I don't have a mom. I have two dads. In your face. Hurry. Hurry. Please, hurry up. This is pressing, pressing, urgent, urgent. I can't tell you how pressing. You can't fathom how pressing. How's it going? What's up? Did you need something? No. <laughs> Who's that big guy? I don't know. She's older than me. So what are you doing over here talking to us and not over there sealing the deal with that cougar? Well, maybe, Roddy, if you guys hadn't called me over here. Oh. <laughs> return to your lady friend. Duncan, please return to your lady friend. Please let her know that this conversation was entirely about her. In other news, this is very awkward for you. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. And the RSM brings yet another twist to the PGA Tour as the golfers look at the challenges of both the seaside course and the plantation course of Gorgeous Sea Island Resort in Georgia. We have not left the state. That's right, the PGA stays in the great state of Georgia in the United States. And even though Augusta calls this home... So does the plantation course. So does the seaside course. Look, hello Australia, hello Canada, hello UK, hello Lithuania, Germany, Belgium, Spain. Hello, hello. This is the premier PGA show. It's going to get your lineups cashing and a smashing. Oh, and let's not forget the great state of Indiana. What, what would you say? you do here well look i already told you i deal with the goddamn customers so the engineers don't have to i have people skills i am good at dealing with people can't you understand it what the hell is wrong with you people yeah indiana what is wrong with you people nashua new hampshire boom Big listenership and the new registered city of the cut line. Hey, coach, listen to this. English Bulldog, one testicle, $500. Wow, for that kind of money, you think you'd get two testicles, don't you think? We love new cities, new listenership. We love it, love it, love it. So for the rest of you, make sure that you subscribe and then smash the like button. And of course, if you don't like us anymore, unsubscribe. It's a very, very, very easy thing to do on whatever, which way you listen to this show. I'm Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, L-I-U-N-A-S, and your host for the next 45 minutes or so. And we're excited to rock this weekend's RSM tournament. Plus, 
I'm super excited that the fall portion of the PGA Tour is wrapping up. We only got, what, one, two more tournaments? And we get to the heart, the teeth in January. Love it. All right. So we're going to walk right into the good, the bad, and the ugly from Augusta National. The good. The goods are Dustin Johnson. We nailed him on the show. Said he was a great play. We nailed a ton of other plays, but Dustin Johnson was probably the good. Our second good nailed our second place finisher, Cameron Smith. So if you played those two guys from our recommendation, you did quite well on the weekend. It was interesting to watch the Masters without any fans, to say the least. I actually miss them. I think that there's an element to a major that fans give, and there's a lot more pressure. It just almost seemed that DJ seemed to, seemed to walk away with that without any issues at hand. I mean, think about it. When he hit that one shot and topped it into the bunker, and then ended up getting out and with a par save, I, it, that could have just been the first sign of disaster in round four, yet the fans were not there. But anyways, long story short, the good, boom, that's it. You got it. DJ, Cam Smith, the show last week, rocked it. The bad. Ooh, the bad. There really isn't a bad, but I will say this. Like we had some Francesco Molinari, Matthew Fitzpatrick didn't come through. He finished, you know, near the bottom after the cut line. There were a lot of bad in terms of like no scoring on Saturday, no scoring on Sunday. So even certain six of six lineups that I had didn't even end up cashing because some players were not playing their best. Of course, the ugly. The ugly goes to the cut itself. The cut it even changed the landscape of DFS. If that cut was minus one, it's a very different tournament for any GPP you're in that had six to six golfers through. With the cut being even, it changed it, made it like a crap show. You needed the nuts in your lineups. Six to six didn't necessarily help because five to six, if you had those right pieces, was cashing. I really, really wish. The cut would have stayed at minus one. Now, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the RSM Classic. We're going to do the best we can. <laughs> I like these guys. They are funny guys. Just kill one of them. bring you the best lineups for this weekend's gpps we'll be sure to bring in timely wax screen sides and traps that i'll put that might drop in through the back door and now the goal of the cut lines to make sure that not only are you creating your best lineups but winning lineups lineups that are kicking ass and taking names with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line Wednesday's always crunch time for my PGA builds, and even though I have my own personal ownership projections, I always appreciate a valuable second opinion. And the guys I use, FanShare Sports. FanShare Sports is embracing ownership and giving you accurate projections of not just PGA, but a multitude of sports, including NFL. So for all you grinders out there, make sure you take the time to sign up. You want to save a little money? Of course you do. Use the word cut line in the discount box at the checkout and receive 20% off your monthly subscription. Ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. 
As always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide to PGA and DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping create draftees, make just unique builds, unique lineups. And if you're curious as to why you're struggling in week in and week out, simple. No fan share sports. No Fantasy National. You're ending up on the wrong end of the flagstick. And it's pretty simple. Sunday is not a fun day. Are some classic golfers, what are they looking at this weekend? Simply said, two courses. The Sea Island Golf Club. And, of course, the Plantation Course. The Seaside Course and the Plantation Course. First, the Seaside Course. Three rounds played. 7,000 yards. Par 70 Bermuda grass greens with POA. Overseed. Now think about this. The Port Bermuda might be have gone dormant. We will find out when we get there. Anyways, you have water hazards on 13 holes and bunkers on 47 plus your waste area. On the plantation course, again, fairly easy to hit uh, fairways, greens and regulation well above average, both in the 70% range. One round is played at the plantation course. It is 70 par 70, 7,000 yards. We have Bermuda Rough, Palos Palom Fairways, and 10 holes of water, 81's, at, 81's with a bunker. So the way it works is the first two days, the courses are split up between the golfers, and then Saturday, Sunday moves to the seaside course after the cut. So three courses at the seaside course. One thing to point out, strokes gain data is not collected at the plantation course. So you're kind of on your own, but these courses do tend to play similar. And the biggest defense that they have is the wind. Key stats I'm looking at. Approach, ball striking, birdie or better opportunity. Birdies are better gained and DraftKings scoring. Don't need to be a huge hitter of the ball here with only 7,000 yards at play. So let's break down the RSM. He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this takes us to the cut lines signature segment, the birdie or better segment, one putt, two putt, hopefully no three putt. We're going to break down our each tier of golfer from the 11k range down to the 7k range and provide you the best plays and potential pivots for the week and let's get to it straight into the heart of the matter the top range the 10k range from webb simpson all the way down to russell henley now there are three picks here that i like and that's webb simpson terrell hatton and russell henley i, I don't like sung jm here i don't like tommy fleetwood here um, I see the viability for Fleetwood being that he is playing a shorter course. He doesn't have to hit it like super far, super long. But the fact is Fleetwood's been kind of bad lately. Look, I know he finished 19th at the Masters, but 57th at the Zozo before that. 59th at the CJ Cup. I'm sure he expected to compete down in Augusta and just didn't. Um, secondly, you look at Sung J.M. Sung J.M. finished second at the Masters. He grinded like crazy. I'm not sure if I want to use that play this week with a guy who doesn't really necessarily... He, he's not going to get loved because of the fact that he just grinded so much this weekend. But the fact is he does fit this course. So I'm not going to say don't play him. I'm just going to say that the mental fatigue from playing the Masters and as hard as he did all weekend long 
grinds on a player. Sung JM will be in some of my lineups, but he's not going to be a majority owned as great of a play he is. He ranks number three in my confidence model, number eight in my aggregate model, and number 18 in my overall stat model. But the key thing here is the scoring model he ranks number four. Okay, so that's why Sung JM does come into play. If you look at him over the last 50 rounds in this field, he ranks 19th in birdies are better gained, 27th in greens and regulation gained in this particular field. Sung Jay's in play. I just don't know how much I can go to him. So the three players that I do have love for is one Webb Simpson, Terrell Hatton, and Russell Henley. Webb Simpson is going to be super, super chalky. Initial run through says up to upwards to 28 to 34%. And it's because of the name, he's 11-2. He fits this course so well. It's so short. He's obviously the best golfer in the field, hands down. His course history, very, very impressive. 36 in 2017, had a withdraw in 2018, and then third and second place. Okay? Reason for him, 10th at the Masters, 17th at the Zozo, 13th at the Shriners. He's playing incredible golf right now. Let's be realistic. Right now, he's about 8-1 to one to win this tournament, and I give him about a 10% chance to win, maybe even higher, 11-12%. Um, my confidence model, number one, aggregate model, number one, overall stat model, number one, Webb Simpson just shines on this course. Birdies are better gain fifth in the last 50 rounds in the field, seventh in the, in the last round. So looking at Webb Simpson, it's hard to say, don't play me. It really is. And the only thing that makes it unique is the pricing at 11 two, he is the top dog, but this field's pretty big and the guys you could you could pick so it's going to be easier to get a different lineup the last two guys terrell hatton and russell henley i do have more faith in russell henley uh, i'm sorry in terrell hatton than i do in russell henley and here's the thing terrell hatton he missed the cut at the masters so we know he's rested but coming into the masters seventh 28th and third at the cj cup when you look at Russell Henley, 29th, 4th, 3rd, 27th. So both are excellent recent form with the only miscut being uh, Hatton at the Masters. I don't really have value in terms of like high weight of like course history. So being that Hatton's never played here before, I'm okay with that. And the fact that Russell Henley missed the cut in 2020 and 2019, I'm okay with that as well. Because in 2017, 2016, we saw him finish 10th and 6th. Hopefully those two missed cuts drive ownership down into single digits, but we'll see. Probably not. At 10-1, Russell Henley is a big value play, and he does somewhat fit this course. In my confidence model, both rank in the top 10, with Terrell Hatton ranking number 2. Russell Henley ranking number five, while both rank in the top 15 in my aggregate model with Hatton ranking number two and Henley ranking number 12. So going down to the 9K range, I love going back to Matthew Fitzpatrick here. The course is short, so he does not have to hit the ball far. And we saw him struggle with that at the Masters, right? He just was not hitting the ball far enough to compete because his balls were not getting close and approach. He struggled, right? But he is an elite putter and that putter can get hot at any time. I like the fact that this course is shorter for Fitzpatrick as to where he can score consistently and work on that short game, that approach game, and one of the best putters on PGA Tour. His reason for him looks pretty good. 12th at the CJ Cup, 26th at the Zozo. Obviously made the cut last weekend on the number at 46th, finishing 46th. 
Approach model, he ranks 19th. Overall model, ranks number 6. Love Fitzpatrick here. The next player is Harris English. Harris English at $9,700. Okay. Fits this course very well. Right now, 22 to 1 to win. Might be a betting option. Absolutely. You look at him, fourth in my confidence model, fifth in my aggregate model, top 20 in my overall stat model. I like Harris English here. He's at 9,700. I could see and argue starting your builds with English. Fact is, you look at him in the last 50 rounds, he ranks 20, or he ranks, I'm sorry, he ranks 35th in ball striking, 37th in approach, but 10th in birdies are better gained, and 8th in birdies. So I like Harris English here. Again, this course is short, so it helps English, who's going to be able to, you know, not have to rely on a super long, far driver. Continuing down this 9K vault. The next play I like is Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry, only 9,200. Actually was one of my favorite calls last week at the Masters. Finished 25th. A lot of people faded him due to his course history. Like I said, he had missed three or four cuts last weekend at the Masters. This weekend, though, comes in with no course history. Great form. 28th, 11th, and 25th in his last six tournaments. No missed cuts. Sixth off the fairway model. 8th in the approach model, 17th in the scoring model, 23rd in the overall stat model. Of course, with Lowry, as always, we need a hot putter. It's his biggest weakness, and that's something that I will most definitely take into consideration when rostering Lowry. Not quite sure we're going to end up on him. Probably sub-10% ownership, so you don't need much to go overweight. And the last play I like in this 9K range, and I really love this play, is Neiman. Neiman obviously missed the Masters last weekend from his COVID, so if he is asked to not return this week, which is more than likely due to the fact of quarantine and and just what players need to do in order to stay away from the, the PGA tournament once they test positive, so if Neiman does test positive for COVID or is still in quarantine, obviously we're going to see a COVID withdrawal, but... Long story short, in my overall stat model, he ranks top 10, number 8. He even ranks top 10 in my confidence model. And then, of course, if you look at the last 50 rounds and approach, Neiman ranks 8th in approach. 16th in birdies are better gained. 12th in birdies. Ranks number 9 in my fantasy national RSM model. So, a lot of value there to be had by Neiman. Now this 8K range is very interesting. It's not very stacked in my opinion, and getting this range wrong is not necessarily going to break you, but what it will do is make you make some tough choices. Guys I'm not interested in. Fratelli, Kokrak, Rose, Poulter, Chucky Three Sticks, Mackenzie Hughes, and Doc Redman. I might come back to Poulter, so he's not necessarily out, but um, Chucky three sticks as well, but the other guys are. The 8K range players that I do like include Corey Connors, Kevin Kisner, Brian Harmon, and Zach Johnson. We'll start with Corey Connors. Okay. In my overall stat model, ranks number five. I'm going to bet him each way to win. Top five, top ten. Seventh in my approach model, first off the fairway. Course history looks solid. 25th and 37th. And, of course, the 10th place finish at the Masters. Has not missed a cut in the last six, but that does include two no-cut events with the Zozo and the CJ Cup. 
All right, so in my overall stat model, number five, like I mentioned already, but 11th in my aggregate model, and number six in my confidence model. The thing I like about Corey Connors, he really fits in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, which you can find on FanShare Sports. Looking at Corey Connors, though, sixth in my RSM model on Fantasy National, 26th in Eagles, which is key for, for me here, 12th in proximity, 25th in greens and, uh, greens and regulation gained, and 12th in strokes gained approach. I like Connors here. I think he's a solid play. Next option is Kevin Kisner. Again, he's going to have double-digit ownership, but he just fits this course so well. Of course, another guy coming off playing the Masters, but he missed the cut. So he's not going to be in the grind that we saw before. thing I love about Kiz, 2016, first place, fourth in 2018, 7th in 2019 missed the cut last year and missed the cut in 2017 but look he's got an average finishing position when he does make the cut of fourth place kind of hard to ignore that upside when he's only going to be like 12 13 14 percent owned that number's bound to grow up go up as this weekend continue as this week continues but i like kids i like the course history and the fact that he missed the cut i think bodes well just because he didn't go through that weekend grind and probably wants to get it back to playing golf Next play is Brian Harmon at 8,500. Again, another guy who fits this course very well. Aggregate model ranks 32nd. Overall stat model ranks 57. But what we're looking at here is the course history. Started with two missed cuts, but then a fourth, 32nd, and 14th with an average finishing position of 17. Here's the other thing. You look at his last six rounds. 13th at the Shriners, 28th at the CJ Cup, 26th at the Zozo, and then two weeks ago at the Houston Open, finished 24th. I don't necessarily like the price here for Brian Harmon at 8500 but again, we're limited on choices and options, especially with the weak field, looking at last weekend. Some players are priced up because of their performance last weekend, so cautious, be cautious with who you play. So last option is Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson... Barely, barely, barely squeaked through on the cut last weekend. Finished 51st. 50th before that at the Houston Open. I don't love the recent form, but I do like the history here. He has made, let's see, four of four or five cuts here at this tournament. 75th in 2016. Two top 10 finishes in the 61st. So you get at Zach Johnson, $8,000. A lot of variants available, but again, a viable option to play. And I think Zach Johnson fits the mold of someone on this course who could play well. 14th in my aggregate model, 34th in my overall stat model. When you look at him compared to the field, Zach Johnson at that $8,000 mark, 4th in greens and regulation gain, 13th in proximity. Not the biggest scorer historically, but I think he's playing decent enough golf to where he can compete here, and he's 23rd in approach in the field. So if that putter gets hot, Zach Johnson's most definitely an option. Let's keep going. All right, the 7K range. The 7K range is kind of where, as I say every weekend, the bread and butter, where, where your lineups are going to be made, who you're going to select to play. So my tip picks for this week, Danny McCarthy, Sam Burns, Austin Cook, Aaron Wise, Joel Dahman, Varner, Cam Davis, and Will Gordon. My two favorite plays in this range, hands down, are at 7,400, and it's Joel Dahman and, and Harold Varner. We're going to go into them first. So in my overall stat model, both rank in the top 20. Dahman at... 16 while Varner ranks number three of course both struggle with the putter so it is something to be cautious of when playing them don't go crazy don't need to go crazy overweight because they both are coming in at sub 10 percent ownership at this point in time more than likely both will go up 
they're they're kind of premium names here in the 7k range and i think people are going to just people just tend to gravitate towards varner i love the fact that varner's number three in my overall stat model i think he makes him a very very viable play and you look at him and just like my research model on fantasy national he ranks number one okay sixth in ball striking fifth in approach 13th in birdies are better gained 14th in birdies the the guy is solid you look at joel Dahman, same model he ranks 31 so both of these guys are viable options in the 7k range i'm gonna have a lot of them i know that so go next down to cameron davis and will gordon 7200 and 7000 all right these guys overall stat model are in the top 30 with cam davis coming in at 30th and of course will gordon coming in at 26th but what I like about them is the fact that Cam Davis has missed the cut the last time he played here, while Will Gordon finished in tenth. Will Gordon might have some like recency bias in terms of like his upside. Like a lot of people have been playing Will Gordon, right? But he finished thirty eighth, thirty fourth, and missed the cut at the Shriners. So is that recent like not? getting up to value gonna hurt his ownership i think so we're gonna get single digit ownership on will gordon people are gonna be going to doc redmond people are gonna be going to other plays here in this 7k range and i'm telling you right now let's go to the chalk of the 7k range and that's denny mccarthy and sam burns both of these guys are coming in at double digit ownership sam burns incredibly popular at almost 18 19 ownership in my first run through okay in my overall stat model Denny McCarthy doesn't fit this course. He's 76th, ranks 76th. Burns, on the other hand, ranks number 12, okay? But the thing is, when you look at my confidence model, that's where McCarthy, you know, the confidence model is complex, but he ranks in the top 35, so it makes me kind of perplexed as to why we like McCarthy so much. You look at his course history here. McCarthy miscut 46th and then 8th place, but then his recent form says volumes of how good a golf he's playing. 38th at Houston Open, 4th at the Shriners. I'm sorry, fourth at Bermuda and then uh, 57th at the Shriners. Kind of the same thing with Burns, 7th and 34th. You look at these guys in my fantasy national model and my overall ranking, Sam Burns ranks number seven, Denny McCarthy down to number 93. So, of course, the wild card here is Denny McCarthy. I can most definitely see the point that if you want to fade him and not play him, but the fact is the guy is such a scorer, right? If that putter gets hot, if the approach game gets hot, if the irons are on, he's going to play, be in play. I hope Tauts talk him down. I really do. Or they don't talk him up so that ownership gets sub 10% and then McCarthy becomes a viable GPP option. He is not, not by any means a cash option looking at austin cook aaron wise these are the last two guys in the 7k range that i'm going to play um austin cook fits this course way better than than aaron wise aaron wise has been pretty decent of late okay at the houston open finished 11th 26th at bermuda but then missed the cut the shriners and austin cook same story 24th at the houston open second at the shriners so the recent form isn't terrible with a two a two and two a three missed cuts in terms of course history aaron wise did miss a cut here last year but two years ago finished 13th and austin cook as we know won in 2018 11th and 2019 in his title defense and of course last year 61st but again three straight make cuts here at this tournament they have the game to play and participate in this event and do well. My confidence model, both rank in the top 30. Austin Cook does drop down in the aggregate model because in the overall stat model, his ranking is so low, but I do like Cook here. Hopefully, it suppresses ownership. Right now, both are going to be roughly at around 7, 6, 5% ownership. 
through uh, first run through. So that's it for the birdie or better segment. Who am I not going to play is the next question. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. Welcome to the Cutline Signature segment, Can't Do It, Won't Do It. And this week, I have one player who's definitely on that list and one player who may or may not be on this list come Wednesday night. But the first one comes to Sung J.M. He's a definite. Sung J.M., we're looking at double-digit ownership, played his brains out last weekend with the putter, which some often never happens. But the fact is, Sung Jae. I don't have a lot of confidence in coming off that grind of the Masters. Second place, four straight rounds of just difficult putting. He has one tournament finish here at 37th place, but again, it's the mental grind with Sung J.M. The other player who's just garnering a ton of ownership is Sung, uh, Sebastian Munoz. I love Munoz as a player, but again, he's played a lot of golf, right? In the last six tournaments viable, he's played great, amazing golf. He had 19th at the Masters, 14th at the Zozo, 9th at the CJ Cup, and 27th at the Shriners. Here at the RSM, missed the cut in 2019, missed it in 2017, but in 2020, finished top five, finished third place. But again, another player that I'm concerned about with coming off the Masters. He does rank top 25 in my overall stat model, and of course, Munoz and and M rank top 15 in my confidence ranking. But that Masters grind, it's the it, very rarely I'm going to play that narrative here, but it is. It is. It, it exists. It's truth. And usually the RSM does play in November, but you know what usually doesn't play in November at this time? The Masters Championship. So rostering these guys, suspect at best. Like if if you need that like high ownership leverage pivot, I guess Doc Redmond makes a little bit more sense. But I don't necessarily love him either. Just because his recent form hasn't been has been subpar with a 61st, fourth, and, and a miscut. So Sebastian Munoz, Sung JM, right now, can't do it. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. (laughs) A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So we've arrived to the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we've gotten rid of the guarantee here. It kind of was pointless. And all we have is double monsters. These are monsters that we guarantee not only to make the cut, but that are going to finish in the top 25. Woo! Top 25, 6K players. Okay. So, the players I like in this range. James Hahn, Graham McDowell, Martin Laird, Doug Gim, David Hearn, Cheston Hadley, and DJ Trahan. The two players that I'm going to call my monsters are Doug Gim and James Hahn. Now, both of them are not guarding a ton of ownership, but James Hahn is one of my favorite plays in this range, but he's only $6,900. My scoring model, top 40. Approach model, top 26. 
off the fairway top 12. Where he struggles, obviously, is off the tee. In my overall stat model, ranks number 39, aggregate model 30th, and my confidence, number 26. So I like James on here. No recent history except the miscut last year. So because of that, those those history buffs, they're going to miss out on a solid play. Doug Gim, same thing. 65th in 2020, but I like his recent form, 14th at the Bermuda. So we had one tournament where he's in the top 20. It's kind of middling and average at every single stat category. Even my overall stat model and, and aggregate model and confidence model. Thing is, I just think Gim kind of fits this course a little bit better. Um, he ranks higher in this price range at 6,700. So the next plays are Graham McDowell, Martin Laird, Hadley, Hearn, TJ Trahan. Look, these guys... Don't necessarily fit this course. You're going to get a lot of risk. I like Graham McDowell here. I've always had a soft spot for him just because of what he did for my son at the BMW Championship. But the course is short, right? He doesn't have to be long. He just has to be accurate. And that's where I think Graham McDowell's success can come into play here. You look at his tournament history, third, miscut, and 11th in 2019. Hell, I'll even call Graham McDowell a monster just because he did miss the cut at the Masters. He's probably a little bit anxious to make a cut. Get some uh, FedEx points and, and everything of that nature. Um, people are naturally going to go like towards like someone like Sung, Sung Kang, who made the cut last year or last tournament at the Masters. I just don't think he really necessarily fits this course, and he's not someone that I want to be buying a lot of shares of. Another guy that I like at 6,600 is Ryan Armour. I think he fits this course a little bit better, and the problem is I think Armour is going to end up being somewhat chalky. Right, I think he's going to get talked up a little bit, even though I don't think he's a solid play. The guy, the guy can't top twenty-five. That's my problem with Armor. Like, he has a fifteenth-place finish here at the RSM, but other than that, like typically, it's hard for him to get to that spot. At the Bermuda, he finished eighth, but again, that was such a much weaker field than this. So I don't think Ryan Armor necessarily is the key to play here. Um, I almost added this one player to my can't do it list and that's davis thompson i think a lot of players for just because of lack of like data if they are using data are going to go to davis thompson he's garnering the most ownership a lot of people love him but if davis thompson does get to that 10 percent ownership so check out fan share um he's an instant fade for me at 6300 dollars recent form at the rsm 23rd 2020 and he's only 6300 dollars so Interesting to see how this week shakes out. Again, not as fun as last weekend, but still golf to be played in this fall swing. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. So that's it. It's over. The cut line is over. Is it January yet? Fall swing is almost up. In the meantime, pay attention to the cut line. We're going to be unveiling new segments, deeper analysis, and plenty of laughs for your listening pleasure. Make sure you subscribe. Thank you so much for spending our, your time with us. You, the listeners, what we do this for. I'm Mike Kim Lunas at Lunas on Twitter. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Good luck this weekend.